started in Matt 5, and we did 6, now we're in 7, and we're only on part 32, if you're keeping track. I know I like to take a long time to go through things. That's okay, because I want to see if I can wring out everything out of them I can get. Then I'm going to, then I could go back, start over again, and, and uh, do some more. But uh, that's where we're at this morning, Matthew seven twelve. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would do, you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. I know we know what this verse is. And we've heard it a lot. I heard it a lot growing up. And of course, even people that aren't believers actually know this verse. And uh, so there's some verses in the Bible that people kind of know regardless of whether they go to church or not, because there are some principles out there to live by. And we know that all the good principles come from the Bible. Amen? In the old Soviet Union, there were very few laws about factories polluting the water. One of the few laws they did have was that any factory that dumped chemicals into the river must do so upstream from its own intake pipes. In other words, whatever the factory dumped into the water was going to come right back into it before it went any further downstream. It was amazing how much this simple rule did to cause factories to clean up their own pollutants. Is that right? Is that anybody? That makes sense. I think we ought to adopt that rule. And uh, not only in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm, too. We need to do that. I know that we kind of live by a thing what goes around comes around. You say that? Anyway, we hope it does sometimes, don't we? Oh, Lord, let it come around to them. <laughs> we kind of do that. Now, if careless words or deeds, that were things that we did or said came right back to us immediately, would that change how we behave? I think it would. I know it would change the way I believe it would. And uh, we live in a world where you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. Isn't that the world we live in? Or we have the rule of do unto others before they do unto us. Now that's, you know, I've said that a lot of times. Before I was a believer, I've said that a lot. And I'm, you know, I live by it. And uh, that's the reality of the world we live around us because a lot, the world does not care about us individually. All they care about, me, 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 me. That's the world we live in. And uh, if you want to know why certain laws are passed, well, certain laws are passed because the people that pass them don't have to live by them. I could pass a lot of laws if I didn't have to live by them, couldn't you? Well, that's what's happening nowadays. They want to pass them for us. You aren't smart enough to live by yourself and govern yourself, so we have to do this. Me, on the other hand, I don't need to have those restrictions because I'm better than you. That's basically what they're saying. What you doing to me up there? I'm not doing anything. I'm innocent. I got lots of witnesses. I didn't do anything. <laughs> Check my plug. It's tight. It's not me.
Okay? Yeah, I'm okay? I love that look of confidence, don't you? <laughs> okay. Am I still on? I don't know, okay. Hopefully that, that worked. I don't know what it was, but it was not me. So anyway, now we're back again. Okay, we're back on. So that's the, world, the rule that the world lives by. And we also know, you know, a guy goes out and takes a girl out on a date, takes her to dinner, a nice restaurant, takes her out to the movies, and at the end of the, the evening, he expects the girl to sleep with him, doesn't he? Yep. That's the world we live in. It isn't about having company, enjoying each other's company. It's about, I'm doing this, so you will do this. And that's the world we live in. And ladies, we don't have to do that. If someone wants to take you out, that's fine. It's their privilege to do so. <laughs> There's no obligation there, regardless of how much pressure the world puts on us. There's no obligation to do and expect other things, or they do and expect other things. Anyway, um, <clears throat> now the law, <clears throat> then Jesus comes along in the world that he lives in, and he throw, does a blog with a one-liner one in this verse, and changes everything that is going around in that time. Now, he gives us this rule to encourage us to give to other people what we want to receive. Now, that's not a message we like, and it wasn't a message they liked either. Now, <clears throat> this verse is called the Golden Rule. How many of you know why it's called the Golden Rule? If you ever know, I'm going to tell you. So you're going to come here this morning, and you're going to learn something. This verse is called the Golden Rule, and have you ever wondered why it was called the Golden Rule? It was called the Golden Rule because Alexander Servetus, or whatever, how you pronounce it, a Roman emperor, emperor had this saying of Jesus engraved on his wall in gold. He loved this saying and used it everywhere and declared it to be a good rule for all men to follow. Now, we've heard this rule, the Golden Rule, all the time, and we call it that. I'm going to live by the Golden Rule. We usually don't repeat, the, repeat this verse, but we say, I'm going to live by the golden rule or try to live by the golden rule, and we all know what that means. But I, did, I didn't know that either until I started doing this, why we called it the golden rule. So I was just in the dark as you are. So I thought it was kind of interesting that that is why it is the golden rule. I would like that sign, wouldn't you? Solid gold, that verse on your wall. That's the time I wished it was a longer verse. <laughs> so, now we've heard this so many times, but hopefully we can look at something from this verse other than where we got it from to learn something. Now I want to look at a few key, key verses, verses from this uh, verse. The first key word is therefore. Now the first thing we look at when we see therefore is we look to see what it is there for. That's a good rule. We've got to look to see what it's there for. Now, what is it there for? Well, this verse is there for so we can tie back into whatever else was said before. And it isn't just the, the uh, verse, ask and you shall receive. That's what we talked about last week. And if you missed that, then you can get a, get a CD of the message. Uh, it isn't just talking about just that verse. It was there for to go back to the beginning or in Matthew 5. So from Matthew 5, 1 to this verse in uh, Matthew 7, 12, it means I'm tying in everything from this whole sermon. 
Jesus, this is basically the essence of Jesus' whole sermon. And this is basically the essence of the whole Sermon on the Mount, is this verse. Now, he did this in three chapters. I know it's taken me 31 weeks to get to this point. (laughs) But Jesus did it all at once in one sermon that might have lasted 20 minutes, 15 minutes. 31 sermons in 20 minutes. And this is the synopsis of it, of the whole Sermon on the Mount. But see, remember, it's a progression from one point to the other. This verse, you just can't all of a sudden just cherry pick this verse out, although it will work. I mean, if, if someone isn't a believer, this work, need, this verse is for not only the believers, it's for everybody. But Jesus tells us, okay, after you become a believer, then the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us, and he starts changing us, and he plants fruit in our life. And we start out with the Beatitudes, and, and we learn that we're blessed when we have all these things going on in our life. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall be this. And blessed are they that this. And blessed are they that do this. We like that. But see, these verses are for believers. Because we can't do these verses unless we're a believer. And then it progresses all the way through the, the other things that we have. You are the light of the world. Only believers are the light of the world. See, the problem we're having now is we got non-believers that are being the light. And they're the ones that's making the laws. God wants us to be the light because light draws people to it. That's what the Holy Spirit does. You know, he's the light within us and he's supposed to draw people to us. And with, with the ones with the light are the ones supposed to make the rules or the laws in this case. So... We need to understand that. So we have all these things, the progression up to this point, and all these things that happen. And then when you're a believer and you've added all these things to, to your life, then you can ask what you will and it will be done for you. Ask and you receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. These are for believers, not the world. I mean, it'd be great if, you know, if before we become a believer, if it, was, it worked like that. And sometimes God answers prayers for unbelievers. When they do ask and they do seek, especially if their heart is, is really honestly seeking. But the only prayer that God promised to answer or hear with sin in your life was a sinner's prayer or a prayer of repentance. That's the only one he promised to hear. So if you're here this morning and you know you have sin in your life, get it out of your life. Confess it. Give it to God. Let him get rid of it for you. Because if, if you would have this in your life, he didn't promise to hear you. Says, so if you hold iniquity in your heart, I will not hear you. And if God doesn't hear us, he can't answer a prayer. I know that uh, husbands sometimes don't hear things. That's kind of what it's like. <laughs> I told you this last week. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. And then I come home and something will happen. Somebody said, tell me something. I says, how come you didn't tell me? He says, well, I didn't tell you. I says, no, you didn't. That was probably your church wife. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, this verse is the high point of the whole Sermon on the Mount. And we, it is therefore to tie in everything else that, that the whole uh, Sermon on the Mount is at, about. It's a simple, single rule of obedience to God. All in one verse. Now, loving God, of course, is our first commandment. And the second commandment is to love others. When we love God and we've given our life to him, his, he lives within us, and we will love others. 
You say, man, no matter what I do, I can't love them. Well, help. Ask God to come into your life a little more and help you, and you can love them. Maybe you can't love them, but God can love them through you, and he can change us so that we can. There's nobody in the world that we can't love when Christ lives within us. And that's what he wants us to do. Uh, A psychologist conducted a social experiment with a group of college students. He had them jot down the initials of people they disliked. Some of the students had trouble with this and could only think of one or two they disliked, while others found the task easier and jotted down quite a few names. Some needed more time. After a follow-up interview, the psychologist discovered that those who disliked the largest number of people were themselves the most widely disliked. It's interesting, isn't it? But it's a reality. If we want to like more people, want people like us, like them, like others, accept other people, love them, then they they will reciprocate. It's It's just a law that God has got in motion like gravity. And when we do it, it the same thing happens. And that's why this verse is so important. He wants us to do these things. So therefore, it's a pretty important verse. Uh, again, Matthew 7, 12, but in the New King James Version. Go to the next verse. It says, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law of the prophets. The second key, key word is whatever. This is a pretty popular word nowadays, isn't it? Whatever. And I get irritated when I hear it because usually you're trying to tell somebody that and they're not going to receive it, so they just say, whatever. <clears throat> As a kid, you just want to... <laughs> because that's what it means to me. Is that, is that the intention of the word? I don't know, but that's what it means to me when somebody's telling me that and I'm trying to tell them something, whatever. Okay, I know I have to listen to you, but I don't care, so shut up. But whatever doesn't mean just doing this in church or around the house or to your family. It means everyone. And this is everything we would want done to us in any context. Now, we don't like that. It's okay. It's real pretty easy to do things for people at the church. But in the house, okay, I'm obligated. But everybody I meet, come on, God, give me a break. I don't like that. See, if, we, if we're running around, we got our hands full of groceries or whatever we have, we can't do anything, we go out, whatever, we try to open the door, we can't. We really want somebody to open the door for us, don't, us, don't we? But do we do the same things? If I see somebody carrying something, I'll usually offer to help them if I can, open the door at least. So if we want those kind of things, God says, do what you would want. Because when we do what we would want, we usually get what we want. Now, that isn't the reason to do it by any means, because when we're serving God and he lives within our hearts, then we, it's an automatically byproduct that just happens. I know I go to shopping and I have to put those carts back. I don't care how far I have to go, I have to put them back. Because I don't want other people's carts coming where they leave them and they usually run into my car. Don't they? Yours? And it just irritates me when people, they sit there and they put it right up in front of their car and then they leave. And then the cart rolls and hits the car next, whatever. That irritates me. So I always make sure that I put the carts away. And I've even put other people's carts away. And I don't say, hey, God, you see this? Do you see me? I'm putting this cart away too. That's what we're supposed to do, but we have to have that attitude. And did you know that each time we talk negative to our spouse or our kids, 
that it actually robbing them of their self-esteem? Every time you put down someone in your family, it's robbing them of their self-esteem. So we want to build each other up, build up our children, tell, oh, man, let's just praise our kids for everything they do that's right, instead of just tearing them down every time they do something that's wrong. Because that's all that every time we're all the wrong, 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 they're going to beat them down and ruin their self-esteem. And if we live in a world without confidence about ourselves, then everybody's going to walk over all over us, aren't we? That's the reality of the world we live in. I remember when our daughter, you've seen our daughter comes here, when she was a little, about 10 or 11 years old, she was as wide as she was tall. And I told her, you are not going to live like this. And, oh, man, she hated me. She hated my guts for how how long? Because I said, you are going on a diet. I'm weighing you every week, and if you don't lose weight, you're not having dinner. I wasn't saved at the time, parents. So, and I slapped her hand at the table, said, you've had enough. Literally, I slapped her hand. Every time we went somewhere, we'd eat, and 30 minutes over, I'm starving, I'm so hungry, ah, yeah. It was really, what was really funny about this whole thing is, I don't know how many, about two years ago, a couple years ago, she called, she says, Mom, what was that diet you put me on when I was a kid? And I says, you don't remember? She says, no, what was, I want to, you know, I want to lose some weight, and it was a pretty good diet, obviously. And I says, it's called slapping your hand at the dinner table. Because she, she didn't remember the slapping on the hand, whatever, and that, so I thought it was kind of funny, but it works. But see, I was building up her self-esteem, and then I created a monster. She wouldn't have had all these boys hanging around everywhere if I hadn't done that. So, <laughs> but it built her self-esteem up. She, she had confidence in herself. And that's what we need to do to our kids. We'll either tear them down or we'll build them up. And if we continue to tear them down, the world will walk, them all, walk over them and they'll eat them up and spit them out. But when we give them confidence and tell them how great they are and how wonderful they are, and when they do something, thank, praise them for doing it, it's going to build them up. And then they go out there and they I am going to conquer the world because I can do it. But if we don't, we're going to tear them up. And it'll be our fault. So Matthew 7, 12 again, in that same verse, and I'll read it again. Therefore, whatever you do, go back to the other one. I'm just repeating the same one in the King James, or the New King James. Whatever you do, want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law of the prophet. Now the third word, key word, is want. Now this applies to the way that we treat people, goes way beyond just meeting needs. It's an obligation to try and help when we can. Now, I know that America is a giving nation, and we do that as a people, because that's the way that we are. We are just giving, and we meet needs. Across the world or whatever, every time there's a, there's a problem in the world with earthquakes or whatever it is, the Americans are right there to give. And I'm thankful for that. And that's what God wants us to do. If we want somebody to help us, do we help others? That's what God wants of us in our heart. We want to do for others the way that we want them to do for us. If I want that person to respect me, I need to respect them. If I want some, that person to trust me, I need to trust them. We get whatever it is we give or what we want them to do. And people will do it. It's just automatic. 
So if you're having trouble with somebody at work or whatever else like that, treat them the way that you want them to treat you. And then pretty soon, if anything else, they'll feel guilty about it. (laughs) And that's okay too, right? (laughs) So we want to do for others what God wants us, what we want. And when we do that, it's a rule that works. And it isn't at home, at school, at work, anywhere we go. And when we go to the store and shopping, you know, on the line. If you want to be first in line, I, I won't like this one. And there's a whole bunch of lines op- up, open up, and they open a new cashier. Don't you love when that happens? Man, you're going 90 miles an hour <laughs> to there because you want to get there first. You don't want to wait in line. But see, if I want to be first in line, then I go, okay, go ahead. I only, I, I only have five minutes to get to my appointment before I'm late, but go ahead. <laughs> that's something that's really hard for me to do because I like want to get in and get out of that place. I hate lines. I, that's, that's one of the worst punishments for me is a line. I hate lines. And, of course, I know that all you people here love lines, don't you? <laughs> so whatever it is that we want people to do for us, we have to do for them or we treat them the way that we want to be treated. Now go to the next slide. In the New Living Translation, because this has the pop of the, the exact um, emphasis on the right word. Uh, do to others whatever you want, like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Now, do is the fourth keyed word, and it's the most important word in this verse. It, this word changes everything. Jesus was the first to teach the, Jesus wasn't the first to teach this principle. Halil and Shema were two famous rabbis a generation before Jesus. According to the Talmud, a heathen named Shammai has said, I will convert to Judaism if you can teach me the whole Torah while I stand on one foot. But Shema pushed him away with his staff. Then he goes to Halel with the same offer. Halel says, what is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. That is the whole Torah. All the rest of it is commentary. Go and learn. Now, the people would have been familiar with this during Jesus' time. And it kind of seems like, well, it's the same thing, but in reality, it's not. And uh, Buddhism has a similar command, Confucius. Uh, but you can fulfill this commandment by doing nothing. Let's say a woman dies, or woman, dies after six months in a coma. At the funeral, the preacher followed Hillel's version of the golden rule, he would say, for the last six months of her life, she was a great woman. She never stole. She never lied. She never once lashed out in anger. She did not do to others what she did not want done to unto herself. See, that changes the whole verse. That was that verse that they were familiar with. And so when Jesus said it, he took it from the negative into the positive. So doing nothing would not fulfill the golden rule. The do is the most important word in there in the sentence. Do, that's an action word. We have to do something. Because if we don't do something, we haven't fulfilled the command. And that's what Jesus wanted us to know. And only Jesus teaches teaches that, that to do is be active. And only Christianity is the only religion that teaches us to do, to look out for things that we can do, good things, and do them. I know we have that Nike emblem that says, just do it. Well, that's what God says, just do it. If you know what to do, do it. Remember the verse that says, for him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. 
that do word changes the whole verse and the whole meaning. And we need to do. And only God can tell us what do means to us. Because the do for you is different than the do for me. And there's, again, this verse says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. Now, the, another word that's, fifth word is to. Now, this is to is a direction word. Now, if I tell you I'm going to the post office, you know what direction I'm going, because I live east of town, so I would have to come west in order to go to the post office. So we know that. It's a direction word. So in this verse, not only do we do, it has the direction in the next word, to, and who's the to? Others. So God gives us a direction to do, and we need that, because we have to be told everything, don't we? We can't assume anything. If we assume with our kids, what happens? We assume wrong. Because they can take that thing and twist it around to meet their own needs, and it's our fault. Isn't it? I mean, those kids are good at it. You don't think your kids are smart? Oh, yes, they are. You have to explain it. I like Bill Cosby when he's talking about uh, kids. He says, you have to tell your kids, go upstairs, take a shower, get in the shower, turn on the water, use soap, because if you don't tell them, they won't. And then if you don't tell them to dry themselves off, they'll put their pajamas on wet. Isn't that really the way it is, mothers, parents? That's the way it is. We have to tell them everything, because they'll find a loophole in it. Well, you didn't tell me to use soap. Or you didn't tell me to turn the water on, you just told me to get in the shower. I got in the shower and went like this, and I'm done. We have to tell them exactly what to do, the direction we want them to do. We have to, or they're really going to use it as a loophole. And again, it says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the sixth key word, them. We need to do to others, and whatever we would like them, whoever them is to you in your life, them is everybody that you meet, them is everybody in your household, Now, I'm not saying that you have to let your kids do everything they want. I'm not saying that. Because you wouldn't want that done to you. The them is the people that you meet. Like I said, if you want them to respect you, we have to respect them. Whatever we give out, we want to come back to us. And that's why we raise our kids up to be law-abiding citizens. But you have to be a law-abiding citizen. It isn't a matter of do what I say, not as I do. You can't do that as parents because they will do what you do. And forget about what you say. Now, you may have got away with it when you was a kid, but they won't. Why? Because I know too much. I told my kids, you have to be a lot smarter because I got away with everything because I was smart. I mean, there was times I had to hide down the street waiting for my dad to get up and go to work so I could come home and get ready for school. A lot of times we did that. We were partying all night. <laughs> you have to go to school. Nobody ever knew it. That would, couldn't happen today, not in this age of uh, technology. But see, I knew where my kids were because I followed them. And if you've never done this, parents, or put the app on their phone that you can track them so you can go to your phone and watch to know where you're at, it'll show you. I wish I'd had one of those. I wouldn't have had to sit out in front of people's houses in the cold for three hours making sure they're going to stay there. You said you did that? Yes, I did. And they never knew when I was going to be there. 
key, key, that's key. So they didn't get away with a lot. They got away with some stuff that we just let slide, Sheldon. But anyway, that's the, that's the sixth key word and is the object of our actions. The target we're aiming to hit is them with what we want. <clears throat> this isn't just to Christians. Sometimes we think we just got to do this stuff to Christians, but that verse doesn't say that, does it? Them could be Christians, but the them is likely more than the unchristian because if we act like a Christian in the world, we will act like Jesus did to them, and then some of thems will come, become Christians because they want to be like you. They want what you have. Especially in this world where so much is going on, I think, oh man, how come you're not worried? How come you're not all, all upset about this and, and whatever? Because so, well, I trust God. I can't change it, so why do I worry about it? God knows what's happening. He didn't sit up there and say, oh no, come here, come here. I, I didn't know this was going to happen. I didn't know what to do. And Jesus is running, walking back and forth in front of the throne, sweating, rolling his hands and going, oh no, what are we going to do, God? God knows what's going to happen before it happens. Because he knows everything. So God isn't surprised. <clears throat> okay, but Jesus said if we truly serve God, then in every area of our lives where we want somebody to do to us, we do that. A young Christian boy who had absolutely nothing in his life was teased for his faith. If God loves you so much, why doesn't he take better care of you? Why doesn't God tell someone to bring you shoes and a warm coat and a bed of food? The little boy thought for a moment and then said, I guess he does tell somebody, but somebody forgets. <laughs> you know, the kids are pretty smart, aren't they? They're back on because they have the faith of a child. Man, we all need the faith of a child. If someone said that to you, what would you say? What would your answer be? Most of us wouldn't know what to say. Well, you got one now. <laughs> the problem is somebody isn't listening. Somebody doesn't care. God's trying to do the things it needs to do, but people aren't listening, and they don't care. And we as believers, sometimes we're guilty of not listening. Sometimes, you know, God will tell us to do something. They, oh, man, that isn't God. Can't be God. I'm not turning around. I've already passed that house. I'm not going back there. I've said that sometimes, and I turn around and go back. I hate it. I should have just done it when I was there. Saved me. It would have saved me some time in trying to flip around and go back. But do it. If God's trying to tell you, do it because you are the somebody that God is talking to. And I don't care whether it's a gallon of milk or whatever it is. <clears throat> that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, we need to do. <clears throat> and Andrew Murray said, My relationship with God is part of my relationship with men. Failure in one will cause failure in the other. If we lose out on a relationship with God, it's hard to have a relationship with others because our spirit is closed off. And only God can open it up in our hearts. And only God is, can tell us what to say and what to do and to be able to, to trust other people. Because I don't trust anybody. <laughs> Normal, we don't. It, it's hard. Like I said, I, you know, I, I trust and, and people until they prove they can't be trusted. And I'll forgive you, but I won't give you another opportunity to do it again. So, because some people, they just run around the church and try to get more people to give the opportunity to them to take care of them. Isn't that true? We have people that are professional beggars. And we had it, it isn't so much now, but uh, it has, you know, seven, 
seven to nine years ago, I don't remember what it was, they had people who used to come from church to church to church and give them a sad story, and they'd give them money. Well, I kind of get through the sad stories without shedding a tear, a lot of them. So don't worry about it. <laughs> I'd rather give somebody, though, and be taken advantage of than, and uh, do it wrong than not do it at all when I need to. Does that make sense? Now, John Ashcroft said, the most important thing my dad taught me is that there are more important things than me. You know, there's more important things in this world than us. We aren't the center of the universe. God is. So, but we want to be the center of the universe, don't we? We think it's a privilege for people to to know us. And it is, right? (laughs) But we need to understand that we are not the center of the universe. We need to remember that a pat on the back is only a few vertebrae away from the kick in the pants, but the results are much better. There's a lot of times you have to kick them in the pants if they're your kids. Anyway, don't do it to the neighbor's kids, you'll get sued. But it gets a lot more uh, of what they need to know. It's gonna, it's gonna, they're going to understand it. Kick them in the pants. Pat on the back, kick in the pants, just a few little ways away. So, Anyway, I want our church to be known as a place where this rule is part of our lives. I told you this verse is called the Golden Room because Emperor Alexander Servius had it written on his wall in gold. What I didn't tell you is that he was not a Christian. He never became one. He thought this particular teaching of Christ was wonderful and spread this rule everywhere he could and commanded people to obey it, but he never obeyed Christ himself. But we can't keep this rule if we aren't Christians. It's a good rule to live by, whether you're a believer or not believer, this world would be a lot better place if everybody practiced it, isn't it? If all the nations practiced this world, we wouldn't be in a mess today. But they don't. But we as, as uh, individuals, believers, should. Now, we've heard it uh, said, sow a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Reap character. Sow a character, reap your eternity. That's the reality, isn't it? We sow what we reap. That is a truth. That's a, it's a biblical truth. If you sow things in this life that are good, it's going to come to you. Maybe not in this life, but in the next. A farmer can't expect wheat to grow when he's planted corn. What we want, we plant. I've told people many times when they're, you know, if illness is happening or a need, whatever it is, pray for somebody else that has that same need. If you're sick, pray for somebody that's sick. Because one thing it'll do, it'll get our mind off our own problems and focused on somebody else, and then our hearts are open for God to give to us. It's a law of, that God uses, and I don't understand how it works. Don't claim to. Only God does. But I do know it to be true. So if you have an issue in your life going on, pray for somebody else that has that. And then it'll get your thoughts off of that and onto God. What have we been sowing lately? Whatever it is, the crop, crop's going to harvest pretty soon. Margaret E. Sangster, our, uh, our failures to act in her poem, The Sin of a Mission. It isn't the thing you do, dear, it's the thing you leave undone that gives you a bit of heartache at the setting of the sun. The tender word forgotten, the letter you did not write, the flowers you did not send, dear, are your haunting ghosts at night. The stones you might have lifted out a brother's way, a bit of heart, some counsel, you were bare, hurried too much to stay. The loving touch of a hand, dear, the gentle winning tone, which you had no time nor thought for, 
with troubles enough of your own. Now, she emphasizes that Jesus calls us to be involved with each other's life. There are a lot of things that at the end of the day think, oh, man, I wish I'd have said that. Have you ever done that? I've said that. I wish I'd have said that. I wish I'd done that. Well, ask God to help you to get the wish I did at the time it happens because we need to. We need to listen more to God. And it'll be amazing that when we do, how our life will be changed. Uh, The next slide. Oh, that was the phone. I'm sorry. Next one. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. This whole verse sums up the whole Bible, every, all its messages that it teaches us. After we accept Christ, that is the gospel. Do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. That's the gospel. And when we do unto others the way we want them to do unto us, their life will change, but so will ours. And if you're trying to... Uh, Win somebody to the Lord, I don't like that word because we don't win anything, God's the only one who can save somebody, then when we do this, if we treat them the way we want to be treated, and they're going to be drawn to you because people respond to things. Just like a flower follows the sun, no matter where it is, you can plant it facing this way, and pretty soon you come back and it'll be this way because it follows the sun. We as the believers need to follow the sun in the things that he teaches us. He is our ultimate example. He gave his life for us so that we can have a relationship with him. And his life and model is hard for us to follow, but it isn't as hard when we live out that commandment and we let him live within us and we keep our heart open to him and we follow the son wherever he leads us. And it's easy to know when you're not following God, isn't it? You know instantly when it is because that blow to your heart, just prick in your heart. And that's the time you deal with it. Not when you get home, not next week, at that moment. Because at that moment is when it's easier to to get rid of in your life. Because if you leave it there, it's going to start to fester. And pretty soon you get home and you forget about it. And it'll still be there festering and festering and festering until one day it'll blow up at the wrong time. And I don't want anybody to, to say to me, how can you be a Christian when you don't care what happens to anybody? They may say that because they want to get your goat, but generally it can't be said about a believer if we're following Christ. Because I want everybody to be saved. I want everybody in this community to be saved, don't you? And if you don't, pray till you do. Because this, this will change the whole world we live in if we just follow this rule. If you don't have one scripture in your, in your vocabulary that you memorize, memorize this one. Now, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. is a great verse. But if we don't accept it, our lives can't be changed. But as believers, when we accept the son and he lives within us, that rule will flow through us. And we need to make sure we let it flow, we don't hinder it no matter what we have to do to keep that, re- keep that relationship with God going. We need to do that. Do unto others as they'd have us do unto us. That's what I want to do with my life. I want to live that as much as I can, and I, and I just pray that God will quicken my heart when I get out of that so I can be changed. Don't you? Let's pray.